We always say seat time is king, so sit on down and listen in to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? Uh, it's all right, I suppose. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we, we were able to get the transmission in in the Miata, so that's uh, that's good, making some progress there. Season's just creeping up. Can't wait to, to be racing again. It's uh, it's been too long. Yeah, I mean, normally the tracks will open up in April. That's next month. Yeah, yeah. I I saw Gingerman, greatest track in the world. It is. Um, they're uh, they're open for uh, preseason track rentals. So you know, we could go in, chip in a hundred bucks, and just rent the whole track out. So right now. Yeah, right now. Oh shit, dude! I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't think it's as expensive as you'd think. I mean, it is it, it's Gingerman off season, so it's and it's it's uh, I believe it's literally just Mary Beth there. She opens the gate for you. Yep. Maybe puts on a pot of coffee if you want any, but otherwise it's you don't really get any safety crew or nope. flaggers or anything. You just but it's pretty cheap. It's a few grand during uh, for a weekday. Yeah, no, it's it's I mean, you it's affordable. Like you get a couple a few friends, friends together could easily pay for it yeah yeah you get get a few people together and rent the whole track out it's it's not a bad idea assuming the michigan weather cooperates but um yeah well you know if it doesn't you get some practice uh racing in inclement weather yeah yeah i mean it's what the pros do right you know seat time is very important so as we say <laughs> yeah but i mean it's but then you know, you know just, rain or shine, seat time, right? You're going to yeah. be in a race. Eventually, it's going to be raining. Yeah. So you need to be able to deal with that. Yeah, and uh, one thing I've always found um, that the I guess the problem I find with using track days for testing, especially for uh, endurance racing cars, uh, maybe not as much for like the spec Miata, but for endurance racing, uh, there's, there's, you can't like learn... You kind of can't learn as much from uh, just twenty-minute sessions. Like, you need that full like two-hour stint or whatever, so you can get your your uh, your fuel capacity, your fuel like, kind of fuel range numbers, and and you know as you start to get into like, you can't really get the brakes as hot, you know, in twenty minutes as you will in in two hours. And you know, there's just a lot of more a lot of things that can come up in a full endurance race versus just going out for twenty-minute sessions. Yeah, I mean, certainly for reliability, right? Um, I completely agree. There's, you're not heat-soaked at the end of 20 minutes. Um, I mean, some of that, especially with older cars, is just the way it works, right? Mm -hmm. it, it takes a little bit to get there. Um, but, you know, I mean, now, especially uh, with higher-performance cars, uh, manufacturers sort of design them to not have a problem in a 20 minute session. Yeah. Which means if you're going to go take it out for an endurance race, you're not going to learn anything if you're only doing 20 minute sessions. Yep. Right. Yeah, there's plenty of cars that won't last for eight hours, but they'll do it for 20 minutes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. well, you know, this, this segment's brought to you by Gingerman Raceway, but uh, yeah, I guess. Well, it is the greatest track in the world. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess 
Yeah, if you ever have the chance, I, I've always wanted to do it. So maybe one day we'll rent out something, whether it's Gingerman or somewhere else uh, off season and, and get a lot of testing in because that's definitely the best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, legitimately, uh, weekday during the season, there's only a couple grand of Gingerman. Um, and considering that you wouldn't be doing 20 minute sessions, uh, dollar per track time is considerably cheaper than a track day, bro. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, you know, and you, you get yourself and a couple of friends out, call it development work on your car, and it's, you know, quite reasonable, honestly. Um, and obviously, with us being in the region, we all know that track like the back of our hand, so it's more of a, you know, you can focus on the car, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, Gingerman's a pretty forgiving place, and so, I mean, it's just good for shakedowns and tests, so... Yeah, no, it's it's great for that. That's that's one of the, one of the many reasons the greatest track in the United States, if not the world, but um, definitely the world. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's a shame Formula One doesn't go there, but uh, it's probably it's just kind of out of they're not they can't be ready for for. Yeah, they're not ready the, for it. They level. probably wouldn't be sub one forty. No, probably not. No, probably not. Couldn't so, handle it. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess this week um, we wanted to have a bit of a chat about, uh, it could be kind of touched on a little bit before when we were talking about the kind of manuals and automatics and kind of future cars that will be racing in the future, in the kind of near future, but in maybe slightly more distant to maybe very soon, uh, even at club levels. Um, we could find ourselves in hybrids and even EVs uh, pretty soon. So I just, I don't know, kind of wanted to talk about them. And yeah, I mean, both. it's sort of an expansive on the, ex yeah, on drivetrain like we were talking about last time. And, um, yeah, so power kind of, plant anyway. Kind of yeah, some technical stuff, some uh, our opinions on the road going versions and and racing versions alike. So right. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, to start, let's let's start with uh, understanding hybrids, right? Um, there's a few different layouts, and why do you want to use them, and where are the actual benefits? Um, so yeah, I guess just starting there, um, you need to understand that uh, peak thermodynamic efficiency out of an ice engine um, and that's an ideal uh, for stroke um, is going to be about 37% uh, and efficiency in this when, when I'm using it uh, and when I use it for the rest of this podcast means engineering efficiency mm -hmm. right so that'll be energy in um, and then I guess work out right Mm -hmm. uh, which means there's a time component on the output portion. So it'll be an efficiency at a specific point or at a specific time. Um, cause I guess you're adding that dimension to it, but that that's what efficiency means in this case. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I guess I'll expand on this in a minute, but engineering efficiency is not necessarily what the consumer wants. Um, it's not a direct correlation, or there is a direct correlation, but it 
it's not a substitute for fuel economy, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you understand the best you can get out of your internal combustion engine is about 37%. Uh, some manufacturers will advertise higher than that, but they're not talking about thermodynamic efficiency of an engine. They're talking about the car as a system. So they'll probably be a hybrid mm-hmm. and they're talking about regaining some of that braking energy. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, we'll, we'll go into those benefits in a minute, but if you see something higher than that, just read the title, you know, just mm-hmm. so you know, you know what you're looking at. Uh, electric motors, uh, there's quite a few different constructions of them, so they will vary a lot. Um, but they should be, well, I guess peak you can see in the 90%. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, generally I'd say you'll, you'll be in the range of like high eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some motors, uh, like asynchronous AC motors. So they're copper windings in the rotor and the stator. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't be as efficient. They're, they have a different duty use. You'll see them in plants for pumps or end mills or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not really used in cars. Uh, what you see used in a car most of the time is a permanent magnet AC motor. So the rotor is going to have rows of magnets and then the stator is going to have your copper windings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you send your current through the stator, which creates a magnetic field and it pushes against the magnets in the rotor. Boom. Electric motor. Yep. Um, so that's generally what you'll see, um, in a car and yeah, that'll be peak, um, in the 90% efficiency. So that's, that's why you want to use an electric motor. Um, and I, I guess we'll just stop at cars here. There's always going to be someone who chimes in and like, mm-hmm. well, no bro. What about making the electricity at a plant? But <laughs> We're talking about cars. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's huge, right? So that that is your biggest jump uh, individually, and then a lot of electric cars today um, don't have a gearbox. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a car, and we've talked about this before, uh, you have your efficiency loss at pretty much every joint, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, in your transmission, you're going to have some loss with the gears and then you joints through your drive shaft and you go into the diff and you have some loss and then you have your CVs, uh, inners and outers, and then you're finally at the wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric motors are typically single speed. So, you know, maybe they're using like a planetary gear to get there. So maybe all the planetary gear sets are generally pretty efficient. Um, so it'll still be better than, you know, your generic trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, a lot of what we see is they have electric motors driving each wheel, um, mm-hmm. or two rear wheels, nothing in the front, right? Two motors. Um, obviously you can have one electric motor going to a diff. Um, but then at least for this comparison, you still have that efficiency loss in the diff if you still have a diff. Yes. Mind-blowing, right? <laughs> um, but if not, you know, if you can have electric motors just going to each wheel, then you don't have the diff, you don't have that loss. 
So your whole architecture, really, you can eliminate some of your inefficiencies and your power plant is significantly more efficient, which is why people are moving to BEVs, right? Yes. Or battery electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. But let's see where the hybrid part comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have parallel hybrids and um, series. Series, hybrids. that's the word. Series hybrids. So uh, it's weird at Pratt they used the inverse of what I heard at GM and mm. in my at a hybrids energy class sponsored mm. by the Department of Energy. So Pratt was the inverse of both of those. Hmm. So I'll just say, let's just say Pratt was wrong in this case. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting though because you'll see when I talk about it in a second. The electrical architecture description will be the inverse of the mechanical architecture description. Mm-hmm. So um, a parallel hybrid mechanically would have all your electricity stuff is in series mm. with each other. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Let's, uh, I guess, roll it back a second. Uh, a parallel hybrid is a hybrid vehicle that can be driven by either power plant, right? So you have an internal combustion engine and an electric motor. Um, either one of those can drive the wheels. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the news goes. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Uh, a series hybrid is the electric motor drives the wheels but you have your internal combustion engine powering the batteries, right? That's your generator. Um, the replacement for your range extender that you'd see in some BEVs. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that, right? Why, why are you trying to go to hybrid and have a internal combustion engine anyway, right? Um, so what we talked about with the... Uh, peak efficiency mm-hmm. is that you need to you need to understand that you have an efficiency map, um, and if you're at home, you can Google this pretty easily. Just internal combustion engine efficiency map. A bunch of pretty pictures will come up, um, and your peak efficiency will be at some combination of RPM and load on mm-hmm. the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, as we're driving throughout the world, you can't always control the load. Um, you can't completely control it anytime, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of this load, uh, at least the parts you can't quite control, could be from outside factors, uh, wind, yeah, going you know, up, going uh, up a hill, exactly up a hill, down, down a hill, um, change in pavement, right? So rolling resistance, which a lot of it'll be. Um, taken up by the tires so you get those eco tires and they'll be better but you know depending on what surface you're on that might change a bit um what you can't control really is the throttle mm-hmm. input you know or i guess torque request in this case because there's no throttle body um so the go pedal mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. and that moves you all around so you're never really in this peak efficiency place you want to be but that's not where you are but if you put this internal combustion engine, if you don't attach it to the wheels, you just attach it to an electric motor so it generates electricity and charges your battery. Um, then you can actually 
keep that electric motor ex- or internal combustion engine, sorry, exactly where you need it. Mm-hmm. You remove it from all these outside factors and boom, you're at that 37%, 100% of the time mm-hmm. or 90% of the time. Right? I guess it has to start up, whatever. Um, so now your ice engine is in its peak efficiency range and the thing that's dealing with all your outside variables you know, when it gets out of its efficiency island, oh no, it's down to 85%, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 70. It's still double, yeah. right? Yeah. It's still phenomenally better. Um, so I guess that's the, that's the cool part of that, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, series, I guess, for example, um, series hybrids, the first gen Volt was a, a series hybrid. Yep. Um, Exactly, and the and, Prius was a parallel, I believe. Yes, and and still is. So, so yeah, that's your I guess your most common example of yeah, parallels would be a Prius. Mm-hmm. So you know the Prius, um, it it can use both the electric motor and the engine to power the wheels at the same time, or one or the other. In some cases, it has a very limited, at least the normal Prius. There's now the plug-in hybrid Prius, which just has a has a larger electric motor and battery pack. But uh just the normal Prius, it can do a little bit of 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 electric only driving, but it's usually at very low speeds and then the engine will turn on basically. So with yeah. with um so yeah I mean yeah with your series hybrid the the biggest advantage is being able to run that engine at its peak efficiency and then take advantage of the higher efficiency of the um electric motor without without needing as large of a battery pack right you mm-hmm. manually using the battery pack is kind of a like a i mean we can talk about capacitors but it's it's an energy storage slash transfer device really. yeah so it's yeah it's both transferring and then yeah storing when you're um because there, there'll be times where it'll cut off the engine if it, if it can maybe you're doing lower speed things and the battery's fully charged and right and um, there's some funny anecdotes out there too like the first gen volt that you mentioned had a uh mountain range button and they found going up uh, uh i forgot the name of that highway but when they go up through the I- highway that'll go up through the eisenhower tunnel mm-hmm. um, in colorado they they uh didn't have enough <laughs> battery juice <laughs> to keep it going because the load was so high so you hit that mountain range button when you're down in denver and it forces the engine on to start charging your battery so you don't run into this <laughs> sort of awkward situation. Yeah, so so yeah, that series can run into that problem. Um I guess the main main advantage of parallel hybrids or I guess main benefit, maybe not advantage, uh, I guess benefit over non-hybrids would be um kind of twofold. Well, there's first the the ability to regenerate uh battery uh or, battery energy basically some of your energy lost to braking normally but you can do that in both oh um, yeah sorry yeah so you you can do that you can do that in both but i guess i am in this case more advantage versus a non-hybrid oh, okay, uh, sure. uh, vehicle so in your non-hybrid you know whenever you have to slow down the only way to do that is with your brakes and that's just basically turning your 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 energy of motion into heat uh, yep. of your brake rotor um which you can't do anything to recover uh you know maybe maybe you could put some peltier devices or or, or something to get like one watt out of it you know i'm sure there's plenty of college projects and stuff that tried to mess with little things to to do it but mm-hmm. for the most part it's it's very difficult to to get any of that energy back um 
So the, the advantage of a, because, you know, you can't really run a, a combustion engine in reverse to gain back fuel or, or, or you know, <laughs> no. once it's squirted, you know, once it's squirted in the cylinders, it's gone, uh, whether you burned it or not. Um, and that's, you know, that's your main uh, energy source. So the, the, you know, the trick, as you kind of said with the series hybrid is you, they can be run as a generator as well as a motor, depending on, you know, kind of the energy flow direction. Um, and so what you can do with a hybrid, both series and, and parallel, uh, is when you're braking, you can have it start to regen, uh, uh, the basically, you know, it's charging the battery using, uh, you know, using your, your forward momentum and then it'll slow the car kind of active as braking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might be difficult to fully stop the vehicle, especially in like a panic stop, uh, using a regen. Uh, really, it d- depends on the size of that motor. Um, right. Yeah, and the and the OE will have their own calibration for it. Right? Yeah. So I know, like uh, Tesla, which which so battery electric vehicles can also do this. Um, I know they have a kind of a one pedal mode where they turn on the regen to like maximum. Yep. And the idea being, you just using the gas pedal or the throttle pedal, I guess whatever it's called, an uh, electric torque vehicle request. torque request pedal. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you're just using that and then it gives you the maximum amount of regen. So in, in some cases, if you're, as long as you're leaving space in front of you, you can just drive without ever really touching the brakes, which is going to be the most efficient way. And, you know, and then you don't wear your brakes too. It's mm-hmm. kind of a win-win there, but, um, but by regenerating that, uh, by regenerating that energy, um, during decel, that's, that's how those claims of higher than, you know, 37%, I think. Yep. Uh, in specifically uh, in Formula One, I think Mercedes claimed a 50% uh, efficiency from their uh, kind of previous generation, but probably it should be just roughly the same as what they're running now, but their hybrid powertrain in Formula One, um, which, you know, it's, that's for, when talking about a combustion engine vehicle, that's huge. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's a huge improvement. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. Right. You know, I guess as a, Side note, uh, even when you're regenning, though, the second law of thermodynamics applies. You're not getting 100%. Even if you have full regen on, mm-hmm. the energy that's slowing you down isn't 100% going back into the batteries, right? Of course, yeah. You, know, you still have the efficiency loss of the motor. and um, Yeah, I mean, honestly, in, in these cars, you have... Uh, there's electrical efficiency losses, right? So in your controller, there's some efficiency loss. Mm-hmm. Your AC to DC converter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's converter. so so there's more. There's there's other losses that, that definitely aren't mentioned when you're just looking at the electric motor, you know, efficiency plot. There's there's other losses as well, but it's still going to be well it's above your significantly better though. Yeah, your combustion yeah. engine. And I I think um, just I guess this is a good time to. To give you an idea of how uh, engineering efficiency doesn't isn't a replacement for fuel economy, um, if your engine uh, is thirty seven percent efficient, you know, peak efficient, whatever that number is, um, at a moderate load and three thousand RPM. Uh, just because that's the energy in versus energy out. 
doesn't mean that's what the consumer needs, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're not going to be driving around a couple gears lower because, you know, you, I mean, for no reason. Yeah. Right? To take advantage of that load, you know, that, that would be if you're driving around like a uh, dickhead. Well, <laughs> we all do it sometimes. And uh, just matting the, the throttle every once in a while or whatever. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is the really interesting part to me, though, right? Is mm-hmm. having less efficiency but running, you know, at a lower RPM. Mm-hmm. will yield a better fuel economy number. Yes. Or can. You know. Um, I'll just assume whoever's listening to this watches Top Gear or watched it back in the heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, this is exactly what happened when you saw uh, them have a Prius and an, it was an, was M3. an M3 or an M5. I think it was an M3, like the V8 M3. Yeah, the M3 race, right? Um the M3 only had to keep up with the Prius, and the Prius was trying to go as fast as it can mm-hmm. around a racetrack. Um, the relative load on the V8 was significantly lower than what it was on the Prius. So they're driving so hard with the Prius that they're way outside that efficiency island, mm-hmm. right? Um, but because eight cylinders, and you know, it's sized for you know, a lot more load because it's a sports car. Um, That was really in the efficiency range of the M3. So this is why you saw the M3 actually have better fuel economy. Yeah. Um, It's just because where it sat in that efficiency island. Yeah. And and also has a lot to do with, of course, I mean, that what they were trying to show there is it's how you drive it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah. And, and then how, what they're designed to be done. You know, the Prius, you're supposed to be very gentle on the throttle if you want to get really good fuel economy. Yeah, I mean, they didn't design it to go around the racetrack, right? Yeah. So, so you know, your, uh, your four cylinders, uh, the same load or same outside parameters, same drag, wind, mm-hmm. grade of hill, tires, whatever, um, will have a you'd have a larger effective load on a four cylinder than on an eight cylinder Mm -hmm. and those are sized for normal driving right for driving through town maybe highway runs you know the these engines are designed to be efficient in that area yeah the m3 is not it's meant to go faster on the racetrack and whatever yep right so um but then all of a sudden if you significantly increase that load right and you're just matting the shit out of it and trying to like keep all your g's and whatever mm-hmm. you know that's that's where you see the switch but yeah i mean i guess it you know it is how you drive it but it's it's uh sort of what it, it's the parameters the engine's designed for really yeah so yeah and uh and so yeah you know we kind of talked about efficiency gains and yeah, most most hybrids, at least when they originally came out, were all meant for, um, you know, better, higher efficiency, better fuel economy, mm-hmm. lower, uh, better gas, uh, lower gas, cons- you know, gas consumption, better, uh, you know, keeping you 
spending less time at the pump and spending less on gas and also lower emissions, better for the environment and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I guess in, in, you know, in recent years, we've actually seen a lot of performance hybrids. Yeah. I mean, the, the most notable are the, the big three, right? And uh, obviously there's more. Yeah. But the biggest ones would be the LaFerrari, the 918 and the P1. Yep. Again, there's more. There's just Koenigsegg's making their own thing, the newest NSXs. So I'm not trying to ignore those cars, but but these were when like... these came out, they were the big three. And um, yeah. personally, I think it's a beautiful combination. I think um, architecturally, outside of the weight, which I can get into in a second mm-hmm. for what I think will be best, but um, hybrids are meant to be race cars. Yeah. Right. So you have an electric motor, which has huge torque and low RPM. Uh, huge. And um, I, I know lots of people who are fans of electric cars or hybrids like to pretend it's flawless, but go look at a power graph. They fall off hard. Yeah. Real hard, real fast. High RPM electric motors are absolute dog shit. Um, the thing is, high RPM for an electric motor is like 18,000 RPM, which mm-hmm. is why they can get away with having a single speed for most of these. Mm-hmm. But again, we're on a racetrack. You're going to spa or whatever. Yeah. I'm talking real high RPM. It's absolute dog shit. But an internal combustion engine really gets into its own at high RPM. Right? Yes. That's where a lot of your power gains are, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's size for that. So I think you can you have these two separate uh power plants that make the car work at any situation right you know you're going you slow into a corner boom you're regenning um so depending on where your electric motor is maybe that's assisting your brakes Mm -hmm. so you can get more out of that and then come out of the corner you mat it you got all this torque that doesn't matter (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah you got all this torque it takes you right out of the corner and you know the electric motor starts to fall off and boom that ice engine's gonna you know power you through the straight um i think they're very harmonious yeah Uh, i I think they make beautiful race cars um the argument the biggest argument is weight um and i know you felt it and anybody else who's driven a a small car like a miata and then a large car, Camaro, whatever, on track, you feel all 4,000 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fast. But you know it's heavy. You get on track, and you're like, holy shit, this is a fucking heavy car. Yeah, I can have fast lap times, but the sensation is entirely different. Yeah, it's it's kind of the more weight you add, the more everything's just kind of damped. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't, you know, people fear one with the road or whatever, but it's just, but yeah, you, exactly. you, the heavier it is, the kind of lighter that gap feels. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, I agree entirely. And so my proposal, which I just want to throw out, I've been marching on this drum <laughs> since I was an FSAE, which, holy fuck, I'm old. <laughs> I was about to. I don't know. Well, I won't say when I started, but... Ten years ago? Okay. Well, not ten years. Ten years is 2011. 
which is when I started college. But anyways, well, 20, fall 2010, really. So fuck, <laughs> man, stop it. I already feel old. Um, anyways, March, I've been beating this drum for a long time. But uh, ultra capacitors. Pow. <laughs> um, so what is an ultra capacitor? How is it different from a battery? Why would I care about it? Right. Um, they're super crazy lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, very light. They're mostly air um, or, you know, maybe maybe a gas. But uh, a capacitor is something that will hold a charge. Um, I, I don't want to get too technical now. We can, I mean, we can get into it later, maybe with a different segment. Um, but you have two plates with your capacitor, um, and you have a giant gap in between them. So your electricity is not flowing and um yeah just just think of it as a real shitty battery mm-hmm. i guess for now right uh it's like an accumulator like a you know for a hydraulic system mm-hmm. um it's the same thing it's used in circuits to sort of damp out uh the circuit right like so noise and everything spikes or surges Right. That, that's mostly what they're used for. Um, but anyways, the, the point is these capacitors or ultra capacitors for what we'd be using them for um, have an incredibly high charge rate and a very high discharge rate. Mm-hmm. So they can get the most out of the regen because sometimes the batteries, depending on the yeah, composition mm. might limit how much you can regen. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a certain rate that they can be charged at. They can't be charged faster. Yeah. If you're slowing down faster than that, you just got to get rid of that electricity somewhere else. Yeah. Or with the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Mostly that is what's going to happen. Right. Um, so, you know, they have a high charge rate and a high discharge rate, which is good for your acceleration. You know, you can mat that pedal and, just sends everything through the electric motor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very what we call power dense. They are not energy dense at all. Um, so that means they don't store much energy. They're not a usable replacement for a battery pack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they won't last a long time, right? Yeah. You you mat that pedal, it discharges, but then all of a sudden it's all gone. Right? Yeah. It, it doesn't have a large energy energy capacity. Um, now, you know, there's resistor banks that you can use, which will sort of smooth that out. Uh, you can mm-hmm. use it for a little longer, but, um, I guess what I'm getting at here is they're super lightweight. They're voluminous. They, they don't take up an insignificant amount of space, mm-hmm. but they're very light. So if I was making a race car and it was going to be a hybrid, I would use ultra caps instead of a battery pack mm-hmm. um maybe you have a small battery pack for whatever reason i'm sure there's reasons to use one um but in this case all this ultra cap pack would do for you um is you go into a break a breaking zone it charges up your ultra capacitors you come out you map the pedal discharge mm-hmm. that's it that's it it gets you going in and out of the corner uh it keeps you out of the least efficient range of your engine, which mm-hmm. is good. We're saving the environment going around a racetrack. So you're welcome. 
Uh, it's significantly lighter. It's great, right? And honestly, if you replace a battery pack with ultra caps, uh, the system weight overall won't be any heavier than an ice engine with an all wheel drive configuration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Cause you're, you can think of just taking out a transfer case and throwing in an electric motor. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Right. So it's, I don't know. That's, that's what I think <laughs> is the ideal layout. Yeah. Off my soapbox for a second, but yeah, like, uh, like bringing this in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as as you said for racing, but uh, kind of the real world examples was um, kind of what I feel like was at least since I've been watching that the kind of the golden era of LMP1 was when it was Toyota, Audi, and Porsche mm -hmm. all competing together. And uh, the first few years, they actually all had different hybrid systems. Yeah, didn't someone have a mechanical flywheel? Yeah, so Toyota had super capacitors. There you go. Um, in their hybrid system, so it was a. I believe it was a V V8 engine with supercapacitors for for their hybrid regen and boost. Um, they might have had a small battery pack uh, somewhere there too, uh, but their main form of regen was from the supercapacitors. Uh, and then uh, Audi had a mechanical flywheel system. So basically, how that worked is uh, just you have a flywheel, kind of like with your engine flywheel and and clutch, where it's kind of meant to help smooth out some of the, the kind of the engine workings and, and then keep some speed in it when you're let off the throttle. So it doesn't just go to zero RPMs, especially in a, you know, in a manual car, uh, very important. Um, so basically it's a secondary flywheel that was kind of, I believe part of the kind of the transmission system that was in a vacuum so that it would spin super efficiently. And, uh, and it would be kind of clutched in. So on, on, uh, when you went to slow down, it would clutch in the flywheel to speed it up, and it would spin at super high RPM. It was it was geared at a certain ratio to spin it up to you know tens of thousands of RPM, and uh, so it clutch it in on on D cell to slow to kind of take some of the energy from the vehicle into this flywheel, and then when they get to the straight, they'd they'd uh, you know they'd clutch it in basically onto the engine side to then use or basically clutch it back in now that it's spinning much faster and has a lot of energy, they clutch it back in and it would give you that boost. Mm -hmm. So it was purely mechanical, uh, which is very cool. I mean, it's, it's maybe by the definition, like uh, not a hybrid in, in, in a, a sense. Hybrid, I, would, I would consider that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still, yeah, it's still using two different, I guess, forms. Just not, I mean, we always consider, well, a lot of times you talk about, you think of battery, right? Right. Battery, yeah, you think of electric, electric motor kind of. Yeah. But um, at least that was their original version. I think at some point they might have had a flywheel one that then charged a battery or something. I, I can't remember. I, I could be getting that completely wrong. But their original version was just a mechanical flywheel system that I believe was designed by a Williams. Um, and then the, the final one was Porsche, which had a battery uh, battery system, which they actually had two forms of, uh, of systems or electric or hybrid systems. Uh, similar to the Formula One cars uh, of today, they had a kind of, in Formula One they call it MGUK and MGUH, so the motor generator unit kinetic, so that's your normal uh, kind of regen and and 
basically the electric motors in the transmission so it can regen and then deploy power to the rear wheels. Um, but then they have MGUH, which is the heat, as they call it, MGUH, uh, MGU heat, which uh, there that's part of the turbocharger, which can both basically it charges by controlling the boost. So, you know, we'll we'll get a lot deeper into turbos in a, in a later episode. But mm-hmm. uh, turbocharger has a has a shaft that the compressor and the turbine are spinning on. And in order to change kind of that sh- that speed is usually what determines your boost. And by reducing that speed using basically the same principles of regenning with an electric motor, you reduce the shaft speed, which controls your boost. So it really high, uh, you know, full throttle, high horsepower and high RPM. Uh, a lot of times boost basically is no longer, at least you don't need to increase boost anymore, or you can't based on the rules or whichever your fuel flow limits and everything. So you, uh, then regenerate your battery by basically taking some of that energy from the exhaust uh, effectively. Uh, you just have an exhaust turbine that's being spun. Uh, and so you're taking energy from that to regen your batteries. And then the the trick with that is you can also do it the other way. You can spin up your turbo and get rid of that turbo lag, uh, which is also really, really cool. Um, so Porsche had the same system in their LMP1 car. So it was they had the turbocharger that could recover energy and and take some of that energy to to have a better response and spool. Uh, but then they also had a you know electric motor within the transmission to regen uh, from instead of braking, you know, just from the motion of the vehicle, and then and also deploy it as a power boost coming out of corners. So. Um, and then also a really neat, unique part, not hybrid related, but it had a, a V4 engine, which I don't think I've really seen really in any other race car, at least modern race car. It's kind of a, a unique output. I believe they did it due to packaging because, um, I mean, the thing was tiny. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's only two cylinders long. <laughs> right. Uh, and so they were able to get uh, basically really get the whole package a lot shorter by doing that. But um but yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see like these three completely different uh, solutions going out and racing against each other. Um, interesting thing was that Audi, at least at Le Mans, had the most success in the first few years, I think mostly because of kind of the infancy of the other hybrid systems, whereas this mechanical system was kind of trouble-free. It, it did what it was expected to do. Um, but as they changed the rules to basically allow for more and more energy recovery or energy usage per lap from the hybrid system. The flywheel system just kind of had a limit to how much it could, it could regen. And, uh, since it really couldn't do it as much during, uh, kind of, uh, driving and then it couldn't, it couldn't use it as, as, as effectively as, as an electric motor can, so ultimately they, they still stayed, they stayed with that system because it was, you know, they've proven it to be very reliable, but, um, basically the other competitors found that increasing their hybrid capacity more and more, uh, yielded kind of a better ability to manage that, that, uh, that energy more efficiently throughout the lap. So they had more opportunities to boost when they needed to and regen when they needed to. So, um, uh, later on we saw, we saw Porsche start to win, multiple Lamas. Uh, Toyota was about to win one and before they had a, like a wastegate solenoid fail on the last, last lap. 
which was was heartbreaking. Uh, mm. Later, Toyota got some wins, but those were kind of uncontested without the the big, right? Big brands there, but all of them, all of them would. I mean, Toyota would have some. They would get pole, or they have the lap overall lap record right now. Um, you know, Porsche had a bunch of wins, and then Audi had up to that point kind of the most wins in a compressed period of time. They they were just winning. Seemed like every year, but um, right. But I mean, it is it is interesting to see the variousness of those systems, and it's uh, like another system that exists that most people probably don't know of, but is, in my opinion, really cool. Is uh, like a hydraulic powered hybrid vehicle. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I this kind of goes back to basics, but you know we're talking about efficiency. One of the worst periods. For efficiency in a vehicle is moving from a stop, mm-hmm. right? I think semis use uh, it's about ten gallons getting up to speed from a full stop. Mm-hmm. Ten gallons, right? It's huge. Um, and this is just based off inertia. Your standard, you know, F equals ma or an object at rest wants to stay at rest, motion stay in motion sort of thing, right? So it takes a lot to get something up to speed and once it's there it's a lot easier to keep it there so understanding that we look at something like a garbage truck massive stops every 20 feet Mm -hmm. gross right um so what some places had done is when it would come to a stop um they had a hydraulic system that would was pretty much attached to like a pto Mm-hmm. And you'd have a clutch, and as you come to a stop, it would engage this hydraulic pump, and just pump fluid into these accumulators and build phenomenal pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it goes again, these hydraulic accumulators release and get the dump truck moving again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And we've seen some of this on like other smaller, but still similar vehicles. Um, I think they tried it out on some male vehicles at one point, but you know, large dump trucks pretty much with large PTOs is where these were really used. So it's, I think it's cool to see, um, you know, this, this other hybrid technology used all over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a lot of different versions and there's so many different ways to capture energy and, and right. try to use it again. But, uh, yeah, but, as long as you're creative with it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, Honestly, yeah, that was my that was my favorite time to watch uh, racing was the World Endurance Championship during those years. You just had all that variety, uh, really good competition, um, and it was just really cool to see all the technology. Um, later on, uh, at least Toyota moved to to battery, but that was mainly because of the uh, the energy, the higher need for more energy, uh, at least to compete within the rules. Because you know, maybe it's not. Uh, and it's kind of hard to compare these systems directly, uh, in, in that sense, in the racing and WC sense, cause all of them have a minimum weight. Um, you know, the cars have minimum weights and, and, you know, caps to how much energy they can basically use in a lap, both from fuel and from the, the kind of hybrid power. So because of that, some solutions just will come into favor better than others, just based on the kind of the rules, maybe not based on their efficiency or lightness or, or anything like that just 
more based on uh, kind of what they can get the most out of the rules. So that's because that's kind of hard, at least to look at those cars and see, oh, well, Toyota won this many races or Audi won this many races. So that, that system must have been the best. But maybe just for those roles, it, it turned out to be the best or just in that uh, kind of that level that the technology was at at the time. Mm-hmm. was it, That was the best solution. Um, but, but then, you know, later we see it adapted to Formula One using similar systems as the Porsche LMP1 car. And they've been using that for a long time. And that's how they were able to achieve that 50% kind of like not really engine thermal efficiency, but more overall kind of power unit efficiency. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's a, there's so many different ways to, to kind of, to, to use that energy better. It's just, it's when you combine them, when you start combining them together, that's where you can start seeing these gains. But of course you increase complexity and weight. Right. Yeah. I mean, you do have, Multiple systems on board, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even if the electronic ones are fairly simple, um, it's more is more, right? There's having more things means there's more things that can go wrong. Yeah. Even if they're, even if they're very reliable, if it's something that wasn't there beforehand, it's, you know, yeah. more risk, more complex. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, even if you do get it down to the weight of a all wheel drive vehicle, um, like I'm talking about, that's that's still not insignificant. Mm-hmm. I mean, all-wheel drive vehicles are heavy. They're not uh, what we see now with BEVs heavy. They're not on that level. So you know, if you're building a race car, maybe think ultra caps, but they're they're still, I guess, substantial. Um, but yeah, I, I guess looking forward or looking down the road. Um, Quite a few auto manufacturers have announced that they're going to be all electric vehicles by 2030. Um, I'm going to assume for now that means complete BEVs mm-hmm. and not hybrids. Um, which is a little bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, that's something. And on the technology side, though... Um, Battery technology has increased faster than anything yeah. ever. And then any other like specific, I don't know what you want to call it, category, item, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, battery technology is increasing at a substantially higher rate. Yeah. Like nothing we've ever seen before. It's crazy. It's awesome, mm-hmm. I think. You know, it's uh, when you have a lot of, I guess engineers working on one problem. It's it's cool to see how <laughs> how much you can grow and um, yeah. I mean, so I guess go ahead. Yeah, there's just so much demand not only from cars but your smartphone and laptops. Just everyone wants. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, more and more runtime. Sort of what I was gonna say is so there's a couple different types of batteries that you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the two biggest are pouch and cell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a little cylinder. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, your, your pouch, um, which is used in a lot of BEVs, not Tesla, but I believe the Mach-E uses it. I think the Bolt uses it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, probably most hybrids right now use them. So, so they're pretty common. Um, and those are 
for all intents and purposes, uh, the same layout as mm-hmm. what's in your phone. So yep. this demand from multiple markets is, uh, I mean, really, really driving this um, phenomenal sort of increase in technology. Uh, so last year, uh, I believe it was for you know your your electric car it was about a hundred and twenty dollars per kilowatt hour um and previously you know i mean five years ago it was substantially higher than that right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now by 2030 you know this is obviously nine years down the road air quotes right Mm -hmm. um lots of manufacturers are speculating and being at about sixty dollars per kilowatt hour or a little higher, you know, maybe like 68, um, which is huge. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, Tesla says they will be at 55. Part of that is, you know, their, um, their different battery construction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of their strategy right now is building their own batteries. It's how they, feel they're going to get a lower price for the model three, mm-hmm. which is why Elon Musk has his own gigafactory thing and they're building batteries there. And so we'll see how that works out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if it, it does do as well as he's saying, they'll have a significant advantage over the rest of the market. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just crazy to think, right. You know, we'll be half the price in nine years. For the battery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that's, um, I think that's really cool, you know, and I guess touching on why manufacturers would use different types, you know, uh, pouch, cell, different types of, uh, battery construction. There's, there's pros and cons, um, packaging, um, you know, for one is, is better for the pouch, but. With the cell, you have more surface area, so it's better for heat dissipation. So, if you have ludicrous mode, mm-hmm. or if you're going to plaid, <laughs> um, you know maybe maybe that's better. Yeah, you know, at least if you see your your cells getting hot. So, you know, there's trade offs that manufacturers make, but um, so they're all a little different. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think in terms of cost, the future is looking bright, and you know, and performance, you know. Yeah. So I think it's it should be sweet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone always talks about the electric cars, how the, the torque kind of rips your face off from a start. Like it just has yeah, a lot yeah. of low end grunt is you know, that's that's the best part of them. Of course, you know, they it does fall off at higher speeds, but uh Right. But off the line and honestly, I mean, most of the time you're driving in, you know, at a maximum you know, seventy five, eighty miles an hour on the highway, but most of the time when you drive around town, you know, getting on the highway, you're accelerating in that really nice torque range of those motors and it's just going to feel super fast. Right. And I, I haven't really seen this yet, although I do expect to just cause it seems like common sense to me, but, um, for getting more than one gear, the manufacturers could use a planetary gear set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're relatively compact. They're incredibly strong. Um, so, you know, uh, the Tesla, uh, what was the first one that came out? Model S? No, before that. Oh, the Roadster. The Roadster. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the original Roadster, not the 
one there talking about having in however long. Um, that had a gearbox. I think it was only two speeds, but mm-hmm. and I grenade it all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, electric motors have a high impact load. And also, if you ask electrical engineers to design a transmission, I don't know why you'd expect any better. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I believe I believe the Audi uh, e-tron has a two-speed. Okay. Um, so it, it, okay. It, they're showing up on subcars. Yeah, and I, I mean that that just or, expands your your capability so much. And they're again they're compact and super strong. Like I'm just surprised you're not seeing everybody slap a planetary gear set on the end of every motor. <laughs> Actually, so I guess if you're having four per wheel, then that's a lot of gear sets. But yeah. Yeah, maybe sorry, maybe it wasn't Porsche. the e-tron. It's the I think the Porsche Taycan has has a two-speed. Okay. Um, at least in one of their versions, but and but although that, I mean the the Porsche, uh, one of its main markets is going to be you know Germany and the Autobahn, so higher speed. Mm-hmm. That that's a more bigger consideration for them. It's, whereas it's like the, an overdrive for them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean it's I'm sure we'll see it more and more often as as things progress and. Uh, yeah, or, or you'll just see more, I guess it depends. Cause you know, it is, it is an efficiency loss adding those gears in there and everything. It's just, yeah, but again, like a planetary gear sets in the nineties. Yeah. It's 90 so. something percent. Like it's huge. It's not, it's not your dog box or straight cut gears or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's still pretty good. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see it more, especially in, in vehicles meant to go higher speeds. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the, the Taycan. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, uh, I guess, you know, some more advantages with, uh, especially a, a battery electric vehicle is being able to place those batteries kind of wherever you want. Uh, so ideally like, like what the Tesla does, they, they're basically making this like skateboard of electric batteries that the whole car kind of sits on. Um, yeah, it's a very common approach. I think almost all manufacturers are doing that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's, I, I don't. I don't just mean putting the batteries low, but um, like lots of them are just doing a body on frame. Batteries are low in the frame, <laughs> and they're putting on different bodies. You know, <laughs> control C, control V, and it's all the same like electrical architecture, but different body. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's pretty cool to see. And although as because of that, I mean, you'll see. Uh, you know, Tesla claim, oh, because of that, it's, it's, the CG is so low, so the handling is amazing. But as we said, it's still really heavy. Like, yes, the CG is good, so you don't have as much body roll, but you still have that inertia of the vehicle mm-hmm. when you're trying to change direction. Everything just takes longer than it would if you're in a little 2,000-pound Miata. So, yeah. which is the greatest car ever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, there's, there's no getting around the mass unfortunately yeah and uh yeah no, i haven't driven one i've talked to a few people who said the um the ride for those at least a model x was lacking um i don't know but uh i mean it, it's nice to be able to put your cg super low it's also nice to just be able to cut out weight <laughs> right but uh, hopefully this is something we'll see uh, continue, right? I mean, right now a lot of batteries are some sort of lithium-based, you know, battery. Uh, probably, I think most road cars are probably like a lithium-iron phosphate. Mm-hmm. 
just because it's one of the quote safer, you know, more stable versions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that have a higher uh, energy density and you know charge discharge rate, but yeah, I think they're not as friendly for road use. But you know, I, I've seen a lot of uh, like experiments going on with different battery chemistries. Um, yeah, so, you think- know, maybe. W- eventually we'll be able to get into something pretty lightweight. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the kind of first-gen hybrid and EVs were on nickel metal hydride. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, they got some... I think and some, some were uh, NICADs. Yep, that's right, yeah. So, so you know, there's, you know, there's going to be more uh, kind of better chemistries, I guess you could say. It's a, a part of those is because of their, I guess, availability. And then, you know, for LiPo or... You know, uh, lithium iron phosphate it's that that safety aspect of it the thermal runaway is a lot mm-hmm. i guess harder to get to um but yeah i mean there can be improvements in chemistry there can be improvements in then you know power density and that those kind of things i think my i feel like the way though we're going to see most road cars go is that they're not really going to use that maybe improve improvement in battery efficiency to reduce the weight of their battery pack, it's more just they're going to increase gonna the increase range. range. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think that's most of what we'll see. Hopefully, someone, you know, if we got to that point, would like the Mazdas of the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I I love Mazda by the way. All their vehicles have great steering response. Like I, yeah, Mazda, fantastic. In <laughs> um, other news, this podcast is brought to you by Mazda. No, I'm just just kidding. Um, <laughs> But no, no, I I do agree though. They'll, they'll use it for for a range extension, you know. Um, and I I guess it's it's on the thing about is for the most part the periodic table is not expanding, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, chemically you'll be somewhat limited, but uh, I guess the implementation um, mm-hmm. is different, right? I, I know when I left, I don't know how well it was going, but the chemistry department at CSU was uh, developing like a copper foam based battery and they were claiming some super energy density and it was going to be relatively lightweight. I don't know where that's at, but, um, you know, I guess even if, uh, periodic table isn't growing, there's how to, how you implement, mm-hmm. uh, different elements can, can help you out. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess kind of, boiling this down or getting back to our uh, kind of our usual topic and overall kind of theme as a pod te- podcast, which is club racing. Um, you know, when, when do you, I guess I want to talk about kind of when we think we'll see this now, at least see both hybrids and electric vehicles in, in that sort of racing. And honestly, interestingly, I feel like we might completely skip hybrids when it comes to uh, kind of club racing, like lower cost, non-bespoke race car kind of racing because for the most part i mean most hybrids are either your your like your prius and you know honda insight and and those you know chevy vault those kind of vehicles which were are are not really ever going to be race worthy i'm sure you can you could do your best to modify and and everything and i'm Mm -hmm. sure you could get i mean the inside's pretty lightweight yeah and are they especially like the first gen insights they're all aluminum bodies and yeah i was looking at I'm trying to buy one. <laughs> no, those are sweet, and and I've seen I, I've seen them. 
I mean, I've seen them used for drag racing, but they do a K swap or something. But because the body's so light, that's the 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 reason for using it, and it's a very streamlined vehicle too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like some of those cars, uh, I think they they they, they could find their way. Like in a, a first gen insight, you you um, basically maybe make your own kind of controller and everything you know put in like a motec or something that, that mm. i think they, they have one have ones uh have some motecs that and software available to control uh hybrids now Do they? uh yeah there at least there's um there's one guy who has a time attack 350z that put in a a kind of a spoke bespoke hybrid system into it and he's able to control everything through the motec basically motec um, makes something that big uh, no, I mean, and like from the from just power. the logic side, not oh, okay. not as much. Yeah, not like a DC, you know, yeah, not the inverter. A, yeah, not an inverter, and and uh, yeah. So they okay. they still have to use. You still have to use. Uh, I think he, in that project, who's using those like Reinhardt or whatever. And now, yeah, whatever, those are like, very. They seem to be the favorite of like everyone. Yeah, really. whatever okay. they're called now, but uh, but anyway, like uh, yeah, you put some bespoke controls and maybe tune up the engine a little bit and or change the battery pack add more voltage to it you know by adding more batteries basically yeah like there's there's ways you can kind of soup up your your hybrid right yeah yeah i mean for sure and and i mean i guess right now you can see there's um i mean there's kind of barely but uh lemons was doing a challenge i think they're still doing it yeah that's right where you get your however many nickels because they have to pay you in nickels because it's lemons um if you make a bev and win mm-hmm. um granted going through it that would pay for about most of the vehicle not entirely yeah and uh fuck man i don't want that in nickels holy shit yeah if i just dropped like 30 grand building an electric race car to compete in lemons. They give me a t- nickels. <laughs> lose my mind. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I guess, some incentives to see it in club racing. Yeah. Right now. But yeah, but that's going right to EVs. I just, I, I just feel like we'll, we'll never really see hybrids. No, as, well, levels. especially with, with us pores. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we touched on it, but. Oh, why would you have the added system complexity if you don't need it? Yeah, and right. If you're if you're doing EVs, it's got to be for some reason. Either it's like your thing, and you're really into it, or you're trying to win this lemons competition, or it's a or it's mandated, or the yeah, rules it's mandated, or... or it's your class. Um, why would you double the cost of having and have another powertrain in there? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then if you're just taking something off the street, like I said, like everything's either economy car or just super expensive supercar. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe your lowest entry would be like an i8. Uh, you know, those I were. Is the NSX cheaper? And NSX might be around that cost, so yeah. you'd be looking at NSX i8. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's other ones. There you that... go. Totally budget friendly. Everybody <laughs> can afford one of those, right? Yeah, exactly. So. So you'd get, you'd get, uh, you're not going to, and that, you know, talking like champ car, that's going to be like 6 billion points. So yeah, not, you'd be running it in EC, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, but you can, you could go right out and get a, get a Prius Insight, you know, 
now almost so many different hybrid models now too. You know, get a F one fifty hybrid or something. That's uh, right. And you could race that. Do uh, it. Um, Do but, it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just, but I don't really see it. It, I think it because most of them are geared towards economy. Uh, kind of like we we talked about earlier with you know the M three versus the Prius when the Prius was just driven flat out for the most part it's just using the gas engine that doesn't have uh, kind of enough time to to regen uh, and because it doesn't have a super high you know regen rate due to just the very small electric motor it has mm-hmm. and the yeah know, they didn't need it yeah right they didn't design it for that so. no it was only meant for like coasting down to a stop from mm-hmm. you know. The, so when you're slamming on the brakes, it can't regen fast enough. And so you're at the point where you're, you're barely using the, you're just carrying around extra weight. And then you have this anemic three-cylinder engine that <laughs> yeah. is just trying its hardest, but is uh, struggling at, you know, whatever RPM it revs to. You know, and it was designed to to be used mostly at the lower rev ranges. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough to see that be competitive in any sort of series, maybe someone like i said time attack is where i think we might see some hybrids come in but mostly your big mega budget time attack guys um because uh, you know and and most of those at least the one i know of that that 350z um is on point dyno or something uh 350z there's some youtube videos on it uh from i believe speed academy but uh it's a, it's a pretty cool build but he's mostly doing it as as kind of a one a technology sh- showcase of what like their shop can do. Mm-hmm. And then also just for fun, cause it's a big challenge to, to get that to work. But if he really wanted to, I'm sure he could just, uh, you know, build some crazy turbo engine that just made more power and that would probably be faster overall. Right. Um, but just not as interesting or cool or. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's definitely something to be said for the challenge too. Right. I mean, that's, that's been, my plan for a minute is one of two next project car builds I'd like to do would be um, like a hybrid. And I obviously already went off on my monologue of the architecture I think it should have, <laughs> you know, at least with energy storage and everything. Um, it'd be sweet, uh, you know. But even if I did it on the cheap, though, I'm looking at like 35 grand and I can't stomach that right now anyway. Maybe one day, but uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it is cool. Uh, it's fun to showcase. The, the challenge is interesting, and I think you can get done properly. You can get this synergistic machine that'll just, you know, make everybody else sell their cars when they get home. <laughs> but yeah, but um. Although we might not, at least in club racing, see hybrids, I think we will start to see electric, fully you know, battery electric vehicles. Um, maybe not. So, in the case of lemons, it, that's that's one. I think the rare opportunities that we'll see them racing directly against combustion engine vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think otherwise, I mean, maybe your SCCA and NASA will have a you know electric class or something. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised if you didn't see a bunch of like. Model 3 is popping up soon. Yeah, I think at Pikes Peak, they already have like an electric class, which can also mm-hmm. win overall, which they, they did with the Volkswagen IDR. Yeah, I think sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and 
I imagine autocross, they, I'm sure they have a class that, you know, Teslas can, and other EVs can, can race in, um, time attack. I know there was one car that won in one of the classes at like super lap battle. And it was super controversial because, you know, they, the, the rules don't really apply to it as, as well, I guess a lot of it's based on like engine mods and that kind of thing. And this is, it doesn't have an engine. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I'm sure we'll see it more. I think we'll see it more and more. And one thing that I think will help that is as, as more and more EVs come out there, there'll be more and more low cost options. And, you know, cause if all cars sold after, you know, 2035 or so in, at least in California, I believe is the upcoming regulation, um, as well as a few other zero emission vehicle states, uh, you know, you know, they still need to be able to sell cars at the low price point to people that you know can only afford that. So I'm sure we'll see, you know, very low cost. I mean, we're already seeing it kind of with the Bolt and mm-hmm. uh, somewhat with the Model Three as they roll out their lower cost models. Um, but because of that, I think then it'll be more accessible to racing. And yeah, you know, as soon as as long as the you know the cooling and uh, the cooling of the batteries and everything is is up to par that there shouldn't really be much of a really problem with tracking them uh it's just yeah just making sure the the cooling capacity is okay and and uh and yeah i mean the weight is going to be a problem but yeah i'm sure there'll be some cars that especially the cheaper ones that will use uh that'll just have smaller battery packs for lower costs and maybe those ones just won't yeah. be honestly as heavy. they'll probably be better yeah um, the cheap ones will probably be better on track so yeah but i just, but talking uh, going back to that lemons uh, it's it's an interesting uh thought trying to beat combustion engine vehicles with an ev because i think your uh your biggest problem there is going to be how do you recharge i think that's not a problem for the lemons though there's no penalty for switching battery packs. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I was gonna, I guess, get into. Like, basically, that becomes a race of making quick change battery packs and yep. making that efficient. Well, I've yeah. already got something sketched up. <laughs> no, it, I mean it would be sweet. It, I mean, because yeah, you're, you're fighting, you're you're competing against people that can dump big dump cans in, you know, refill twenty six gallons and and like. 30 seconds or whatever so yeah i think it's it's weird right because the way lemons works uh, i think it's both a great place to do it because you don't actually have to be fast you just need to survive and you'll finish really well Mm -hmm. just about everything breaks down on lemons (laughs) um but then also like the couple teams that don't that go really fast yeah they have huge fuel cells Mm -hmm. just massive so then all of a sudden that's going to be a, that will be a hurdle yeah, know, for sure. Be, beating those two teams or whatever. Um, but, you know, you get some pins and mostly pins. Use, pins, big connectors. Yeah, I mean, those those standard giant Anderson connectors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just having a safe structure and then, figuring out a way to quickly remove it, which again is, I would pin it. You slide it back on two pins and then you have two pins coming in perpendicular to that in the same plane and pull them out. Um, That'd be sweet. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think would be, 
so far, I think the only EVs I've seen out there have just been, you know, off the shelf kind of stuff, or you know, cars you can buy. Mm-hmm. So I think I saw one like Chinese electric vehicle out there that someone somehow imported, um, you know, so small and, and everything, but you know, not very fast. And, and then obviously no sort of quick change battery arrangement in it. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be cause you'll, you'll need enough power to keep up with those fast gas cars, but then obviously you'll, you're going to run out at some point. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if someone can, meet the challenge I, I feel like not anytime soon but I, I'm sure there's some teams looking into it trying to yeah. build something for it I, I, I think you can I think you can do it but again it's just like because I, I talked to a bunch of like I talked to the ECI group when I was at Pratt about it mm-hmm. trying to get them to do it with me <laughs> and uh yeah I mean I think there's there's a way to do it right um I mean there's Direct Teslas, I would buy their battery packs and start there. That's the easiest way to start. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just about integrating that into your car. Like you can, yeah, with enough money, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be cool because you could start with, you know, you could get an MR2 or something or some sort of. You could start with a sports car or even something smaller, like a key car or something. I wouldn't for this. I'd be trying to get all the batteries I can safely fit and quickly remove. Okay. Because you're going to have to start throwing more tire on there. It's just like weight um, in general where it spirals out, right? Things get heavier, so then you need beefier (laughs) components, which then get heavier, right? It's, It's stupid, but, you know, I mean, none of these... Not none. Lots of these electric cars don't. They have those eco tires, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, throwing some RE seventy one Rs on there, and your range drops dramatically. <laughs> um, you know, and then you go with a wider tire, and it's even worse. And yeah, and just be about getting a lot of energy on board, and then also being able to change it pretty quick. So. Yeah, I don't think does do they moments has a minimum pit stop time? Yes, no. Um, no, they don't. Um, there's kind of a factored in minimum pit stop time in that you have to, at least at most tracks, if not all of them that they do, um, you do your pit stop within kind of the paddock area. So you have to drive out to do it. Your driver changes separate from your refueling. So, mm-hmm. you. But ultimately, your refueling isn't timed or anything. So it's as fast as possible. Yeah, it's just you have to follow the paddock speed and drive through. And so I'm sure if you show up with an electric car, talk to them, they'll be super psyched to see it and they will give you the most advantageous paddock spot there is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Um. So that might help a bit, mm-hmm. right? Show up and be nice. But yeah, that's, that's the key. Yeah, if they're, because I've seen. So some of the, I think, I forget what the maximum fuel cell size, but they just have a flat, you can run this big a fuel cell uh, rule in there. And I think it's it's somewhere around 26 or 28, maybe it's 32. It, it's a lot of gallons. Yeah. So if you're, you know, teams with the, you know, the faster teams with the big engines, you're at V6s, whoa, and then some V8s. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, if they're, if they, if they have say like 30 gallons and they're dumping, you know, those quick fill jugs 
uh, which hold around a little more than five, depending on how much you put in there. You know, I've seen them, some can fill from like eight to maybe 12 seconds or so. So, you know, if they have to do six of those, then it's like a minute for them to refuel. Um, so yeah, if you can come up with a quick change battery that you can do in a minute, which I imagine is definitely possible. Yeah. Some quick release pins, uh, and everything, just pop it in, boop, boop, put your, you know, connect your, your electric connections back in and then boom, it's, it's ready to go. So you wouldn't be at a loss there. It's just, it's more just, yeah, making a, a powertrain that, uh, isn't too heavy. Uh, but then also has the capacity to, to let you go two hours or so on a charge. Yeah. Um, which, so that would be your challenge. And then of course you'd want to take as much advantage of regen as possible. Right. Um, and, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be a challenge with how, you know, especially how fast some of the lemons cars are. Some of them are even faster than champ car cars. Um, so there's, there's, uh, yeah, it'll it'll be cool to see what what people start coming out with. I, I know I I would love to to do it, but it's just I feel like it would be throwing a lot of money to do to be able to do that, right? Uh, to win, definitely you can finish. Uh, definitely you can win C class or whatever. I mean, um, I think you know if your if your only goal is to win, you can definitely do that, right? Just some of those teams like the the really fast ones they're not at 100 percent of the races right so you just go to one of the ones they're not at yeah um realistically i think uh it would just take some simulation work or a lot of testing um you know with i guess with our uh audience it'd probably be more geared towards a lot of testing um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. finding a balance of where characteristics and weight and motor size, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, honestly, I don't think it's that it's difficult, but it's not. If you're trying, I feel like you could win, right? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, I mean, it's March, so maybe not this year, but start working on a car and testing it and you can win a race next year, right? Um, yeah, I don't think it's that inter- insurmountable. It's just... A lot of effort, and then mm-hmm. you get a bunch of nickels back, and you won a lemons race. So congratulations, you know. I don't know, but it would be cool, right? Um, I mean, it'd be fun. Again, it's always about the challenge, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure they would love to see you know whatever electric car show up, right? When we brought our electric formula car to a autocross they were so geeked about it they just let us go into the front of the line every time we finish the run and was, ah, go back in the front and then eventually we wore through one of our pouches in the battery <laughs> yeah well you know yeah i mean you have a battery management system right so it detects the ground fault turns everything off yeah so it's 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 not a problem there's there's no fires or anything crazy it was disappointing yeah, to say the least. But um, no, I mean that's it's cool, and I mean I guess on that note, driving those um, for anybody who says uh, you need to have the V8 engine or you need to have engine noise. First of all, if it's not a Metzger or a V8, no, you don't need <laughs> to have it. Um, and then even if it is, go to a race, go in the paddock, and tell me what you hear. Right? 
if cars are driving, you're not going to hear the engine. You just hear this super loud transmission, <laughs> right? Because they're all straight car gears. You know what sounds like a race car? An electric car, because all you do is have this super high pitch whine. <laughs> whine. Yeah. Yeah. High pitch whine, tire noise. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still, it's it's a different sound, but it still oh, sounds. Sure. Sounds racy still. Racy. Yeah. I mean, no. yeah. Like, yeah. You listen to like a Tesla driveway, you don't really listen, see or anything really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you hear a electric race car and the thing's just making all sorts of noises. It's just different. It's more like arrow wind whooshes combined with tire mm-hmm. plus that noise gear noise and then the hybrid gear noise it's just it's a different noise but it's still a pretty cool noise yeah. the not cool noise is this the kind of vehicle approach sound speaker you know where it'll just go wee you wee you or whatever because to because it's too quiet to prevent people from guess, oh, you mean like in a parking lot yeah yeah so i know at least at pike's peak they had to run that system so it, oh, <laughs> yeah so that idr made you know kind of noises so that's not that cool that's not as cool that's not cool but uh anywhere else because i I, when they did the nurburgring record i don't think they had to run that so listen to that one not the pike's peak one if you want to hear cool ev noises but uh yeah but yeah i mean it yeah we we have grown to love the sound of engines i'm sure we can grow to love the sound of oh did i see that 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 tesla you know p5 or p 100d motor oh that thing sounds so good it's like oh i only have the p80 or you know whatever it is like yeah. <laughs> Club. so it, you know i'm sure i'm sure we'll we'll learn to to love that too i mean it's just the sound of speed can't be ignored yeah that's the thing man. <laughs> i i like gear wine noise right you like supercharger noises congratulations you should like this too Right. <laughs> if you like Hellcats or I mean any of them really. Yeah. Right? All the high performance cars, the L T four, so the Corvette's supercharged, the GT five hundred is supercharged. They're all supercharged. You like the supercharger <laughs> noise? Hey, here's a electric race car for you. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 just yeah, it's just a different different type of noise, but you know like i said we'll we'll come to to learn and everything um i think uh one interesting part of you know racing in one will be just the fact that it, no shifting uh so that will you can just left foot brake everywhere and uh, there'll be the regen which will be interesting to feel but you still be going to be using the brakes it's just going to be a combination mm-hmm. of the two which i find interesting with those lmp1 cars i remember some of them would have if they had a hybrid system failure they basically had to come in that lap or else they'd overheat the brakes because they designed it to the the system was designed to work with regen and braking combined right so as soon as one of those wasn't available the brakes just weren't enough to to keep up yeah and i mean that's uh something you'll see on race cars you would never see that on a road car though no no um just because the means of failure like that is it's too significant um but yeah i mean that's it's pretty sweet right there was uh again with our electric formula car with full regen there's a lot of tricks a lot of rear bias sometimes <laughs> surprisingly yeah i mean not surprising it happens just 
maybe you're not expecting it and uh you know yeah go for a spin whatever <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean i haven't i haven't really driven uh any evs yet i've, I've ridden in a tesla and uh i haven't i haven't raced in in an in electric race car yet but uh um, yeah, I, think, I mean, it'll be easier on the driver in that you, it is just that, you know, one pedal at the brake or one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas and yeah. no shifting. And it's just, it'll yeah. be, but there'll be some managing that torque, assuming depending on how good the, the torque management system on your vehicle is or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you'll probably have different tunes, right? Because the, the, the manufacturer will have a calibration for the controller. I would not be surprised if they have some that are more damped out than others right mm -hmm. you know just like they have pedal response now for you know your m3 or whatever similar yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah or and then but, you know and you can have traction control programs for an electric motor like mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't know how they detect you know slip if if you tell it you're in the rain or not that kind of thing so that, that could be interesting yeah if there's rain modes or if it just it's more just detecting that slip and then adjusting based on that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll, they'll still go fast. They'll still make noises, just different noises. Maybe not broom broom noises, but kind of, yeah, I mean, they'll be fast. And they'll be, you know, I like race car noises, but also on the road, I like things being quiet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know why that's such a crazy thought, uh, for, I mean, even someone who really likes motorsports, like I'm on the highway I don't want to hear the road. I don't want to hear the engine. I don't want to hear anything. Just just quiet. Yeah. I want to be like a stereotypical whatever 70s Cadillac. I want it to be like a boat. <laughs> I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to hear anything. Other but, than other than your podcast, maybe Motorsports Tech Talk. Going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Listening, finding a fantastic podcast and listening to that in the yes, car for yes. sure. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, no. one another interesting aspect I think is uh, is battery electric vehicles. They can be they can be more convenient than gas vehicles until they're not, of course. So like, right. if you're just commuting and your range is enough that you can go to and from work or some errands or whatever and get home, then. You charge it up overnight, just like your cell phone, and you never have to go to the gas station, basically. Uh, but of course, you go on a longer trip. Now you're waiting to to charge. But of course, that gets better and better uh, every yeah. year. So I, I think that's that's the the thing is there, there's lots of there's some people who it legitimately doesn't work for right. They have long drives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they would if you have in... to get full charge at work in order to make it home, sort of stuff. So. You know, and then there's also people who just want to use that as an excuse to shit on it because I don't know they don't like change it, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but yeah, that I mean that is something of note, especially when they first came out. So I had a uh, an i3 for a few days. Um, BMW did an extended test drive thing um, that I found out about because I had a friend who worked for BMW. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I love that car fantastic um but yeah for that extended test drive it was only the bev the, there was no range extender version mm -hmm. um yeah and i think it was like 120 mile range or something 
pretty short. Um, I was living in the in the city at the time, so it wasn't bad, except I had to commute to work, which was a different town over. Mm-hmm. Um, not a far drive, but still existed, right? And uh, I had this car in the winter. So um, your batteries will be affected by the weather, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. especially if they don't have a if they're not temperature controlled by the car, right? Some yeah. manufacturers have, you know, a heater. I'll and just call it a and... chemical control temperature fluid and whatever, because mm-hmm. it's to cool it or to heat it up, just yep. depending on whatever it needs. It's not necessarily coolant. It's not just a heater, right? It's either or, right? So, yep. but um, generally, if you don't have that, your batteries will, they'll give you the performance you want when they're warmer, but that reduces their life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit worse for them in the cold. Um, you know, they won't seem to have as much energy and they'll be slower for charge and discharge, but the last, like the life cycle will be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Yeah. I get up in the morning. It's cold as shit. Uh, getting this I three boom, 70 miles top range (laughs) guess what there's no engine so to get heat on in the car you need to turn on the heater which is a heat pump yeah which takes energy from the batteries right whereas your heater in your car is more of a byproduct because your engine's just hot (laughs) yeah uh here you have to actually generate the heat 40 miles (laughs) what the (laughs) fuck dude it was a stretch to go to work and back and not die just because it was so cold. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously now uh, most cars aren't at the 120 mile range. So it's not really something to be that concerned about. But yeah, I mean, it's cold. That hurts your range. And you have to turn on the heater. That hurts your range. It's, you know, um, definitely something worth noting. But since I'm shitting on that car, some praise. I loved it. Zero to 40, it's faster than an m3 mm-hmm. shouldn't be a surprise 40 is not that crazy fast um but there was someone who i guess the i3 is ugly i would call it ugly yeah, yeah um but i guess my ugly car offended someone's sensibilities <laughs> in his bro dozer so i heard him like spooling up next to me and they're starting to like get some coal coming out of the top at this light and it merged from two lanes to one lane, uh, like a few hundred feet after the light. Yeah, I fucking smoked him. <laughs> I embarrassed the fuck out of him in that thing. It was great, dude. Awesome. I loved it. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I mean, about that car in particular, it's pretty roomy on the inside. I like the interior, and lots of uh, lots of breweries are generally eco friendly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I mean, I I. Do you know why? But whatever. Um, <laughs> the point is that uh, my friends and I took this on a tour. Don't drink and drive, kids. I'm not saying I did because I didn't. <laughs> but carted my friends around. And uh, they had like Bev parking in front of the brewery. Yeah. Not in the parking lot. Like all the breweries we went to have like one or two stations you just pull up to the door and you park right there. So it's, it's like we're 
celebrities except nobody cared about us but we just <laughs> roll up and stop right in front and just like all right here we go here's look at my ev dude <laughs> so sweet yeah yeah i mean yeah there there were definitely more status symbols when they first came out it still yeah. still are a little bit i think they still are somewhat but yeah. um yeah i guess one, one thing you touched on with like the, the cold changing your range i guess another thing that I think some Tesla owners are starting to learn on the hard way is, and same with your cell phone, as as the battery ages, as you discharge and discharge it, it starts to lose some of that original capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe one way, and, and part of the reason why, say, Audi, they're not able to advertise as much range is because they decided, as my understanding, is to more basically almost... Uh, kind of section off some of the battery to not use almost basically they just reduce your, they say, Oh, you can only use, I mean, usually batteries really only the state of charge fluctuates from like 20 to 80%. So that's kind of your, that's what you'd base your range on anyway. But, but say of, of that, let's say your state of charge is, or I guess your total available power is zero to hundred percent they'll lock off maybe that top 10 or 20% so that as the battery ages over time, it, your range still stays consistent uh, over the life of the vehicle or at least over many thousands of miles. Um, and so you won't really notice it until the very end. Whereas it appears that Tesla is more just going for, they give it all of you at once, which, you know, it's, it's not a bad strategy. I mean, to give as much as possible, uh, as much range as possible. It's just that you know, as the car gets older, you'll just find that you're not getting that advertised range anymore. Right. Which, I mean, understanding that the battery is going to degrade because everything degrades. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I, that's nothing for me to complain about, right? Yeah. Like, okay, so you've also been lugging around 10% of your battery that you haven't been using in your you know, Audi, I guess. Yeah. For the last few years. Right. Like, obviously it's just all for, uh, like your consumer impression. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, what you're saying is it it sounds like there's some Tesla owners who are irritated. It's like, well, okay. We could have just given you less capacity all the way up until now. Would that have made you feel better? (laughs) Right. Yeah, so I mean, part of it, I think that with that that Audi solution is to try to extend the life of the battery too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're only charging it up to sixty percent and discharging down to thirty or something like that. Yeah, so there could be a there there. I think there is a life advantage there, but but then of course, yeah, you just you you never got the 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 big range. You just always had less, but it stayed more consistent. So it's I guess it depends on the person what yeah. they want. I think most people want it all now. Yeah, um, which especially is the, Americans, <laughs> which is what the Tesla approach was. Which is, I, I think, it's fine. It's just uh, make sure, make sure, I guess, you know, make sure your customer understands that that you know, mm-hmm. five years, ten years, whatever from now, it's just it's not going to be as good as it was. But I mean, it's similar things can be said for you know regular gasoline powered cars. I mean, your fuel tank usually it shouldn't shrink over time uh, unless you have some serious. Uh, uh, kind problems. of venting problems <laughs> in your tank, which I, I might have, may have experienced in my uh, F two fifty. But um, uh, otherwise, it, 
I mean, but your engine, you know, it'll get carbon deposits and, you know, it'll, your cylinder walls will start going egg shape. And so you'll, you know, you'll have more, more blow by and everything. So over time, your engine does lose efficiency as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's completely unheard of. It's just. Yeah. Some horses escape. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's not like, you know, it's still comparable, I think. So it's, it's just that I think some people just don't realize it sometimes at least with with evs that you know the battery will either either lose a lot of its range or just need to be replaced but you know that's that's going to be many years down the road and maybe the original owners of the vehicle won't really have to concern themselves too much it's more going to be that used market uh so and then and that could also factor in like you said the the temperature can change you know the temperature range that it operates can change that kind of life of it so, you know, you might be looking to buy your EVs from mild climates <laughs> instead of your extreme colds and heats. Yeah, well, I would try and buy it from an extreme cold. Just not Michigan because there's salt everywhere. <laughs> the roads are shit. Um, yeah, no, Canada. Buy your, buy your used EVs from Canada. Because if they spend their entire life in the cold and they're not like heat cycling and yeah, I mean, it'll be better for the battery life overall. So, just not good for their range while they have it. But then you can buy it, bring it to bring it down to Texas, bring it down to Texas. Yeah, or, dude, you're good. You're golden. Boom, done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I think I could, I could see myself getting an EV at some point, or at least a uh, uh, plug-in hybrid. So, mm-hmm. something that allows me to run full EV when I need to, but ideally also has the gas engine for longer trips but i could see myself getting something like that or maybe even just a full ev in the future but for now i'm i'm not ready for it um i I, i'd wait for i don't know it'll be interesting to see how the infrastructure keeps up for it because right now it's yeah they keep adding more and more areas but if everyone now if everyone all of a sudden has electric vehicles it's going to be uh you know they're going to need to really ramp up the infrastructure to have chargers everywhere and yeah I mean, I, I wouldn't honestly be too surprised to see that, you know. Um, I, get, I, I think it's very well known that that's, that's a limiting factor because um, there's quite a few electric cars now that'll get to, I don't know, 80% charge, I think, uh, in like half an hour, which isn't bad. Obviously, it's not, you know, the two minutes pumping gas, but, mm-hmm. you know. That's not bad. If you're on a road trip, you watch part of an episode of whatever you're, you know, all about, um, have a snack and then you're back on the road. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I I just think, uh, plus one for capitalism, the demand would absolutely create it. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of, manufacturers have already committed to supporting it mm-hmm. um so between them and the government supposedly saying they'll support it <clears throat> but i mean they're pretty useless uh, <laughs> um you know i mean i think we'll see it but yeah i don't i don't know you know i mean obviously it's a weak point um right now but if again to all these manufacturers i believe ford said all bevs 
I think, by 2030. I know GM did. I know Volvo did. Um, Volkswagen made some promise. I don't remember what it was. So if that's their plan, right, and all of a sudden 50% of the cars on road are not gas, like, how hard would it be to change your infrastructure to just swap out pumps for electric plugins, right? Yeah, yeah. Big picture, not that hard. Obviously, if you talk about every gas station everywhere, it's a lot of tear up. But running, you know, high powered isn't crazy. People run it to your house, right? So yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as nearly big of a problem as some people seem to think it will be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, obviously it's something to address and to get around, but. You know, I don't see it as being a showstopper or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, don't know, I think maybe we can wrap up there. I think we They're rambled on long enough, I guess. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the car market develops and, and how racing kind of responds to it and everything, you know, yeah. we already have formulae and everything, but right. I'm sure we'll see more and more. So yeah, we'll we'll keep a lookout for. It. I'm I'm looking forward to trying out some electric race cars. It could be pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. No, me too. I, th- I think it'd be great. So. But yeah, I mean, I think that was yeah. We we went longer than I, I thought we would on that. But you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of every week uh, we end up doing that. But that's that's just because we just love talking about this stuff love talking to you guys and going as deep as we can without hopefully losing too many people (laughs) yeah but uh but yeah i mean um not just i think just last week we had some some nice feedback on our on i believe our facebook page is is really nice to see so yeah i mean of course if you if you have feedback to the contrary of what we're doing let us know we always (laughs) yeah we want to improve but if you like it let us know we we love to see that uh we know that then you know that uh that at least you know what we're doing is 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 palatable and enjoyable so uh yeah you know always feel free to reach out to us on our social medias uh facebook instagram at at motorsports tech talk uh but uh but yeah i mean uh, thanks again for listening all the way through this one and all the others and as always we uh We look forward to talking to you guys again soon. See you.